In this segment, we continue the talk we began on last week's program with St. John Hunt, the son of the notorious Watergate burglar E. Howard Hunt. E. Howard Hunt's actions as one of the team directing the Watergate burglary back in 1972 would lead, it's fair to say, to the resignation of President Richard M. Nixon. We can make that statement because we now know in the famous smoking gun tape Richard Nixon feared what might come of the revelation that ex-CIA official Howard Hunt was involved in White House-related activities. The cover-up of those events led to the unraveling of the Nixon presidency, and it was E. Howard Hunt's involvement that was foremost among the things Nixon wanted covered up. We left off on last week's program at the point where E. Howard Hunt had revealed to his son the fact that there was indeed a conspiracy to kill John F. Kennedy, and that he was a part of it. Was this why Nixon feared the name of E. Howard Hunt being revealed? That's a very good question, but let's pick up our discussion where it left off last week. Now, I want to back up a moment to note that when your father started opening up to you about this and you were getting information, you agreed with him that this was information that was worth a lot of money, that your dad had been sort of forsaken by the CIA and by the White House and had done prison time and all this, and that if he's going to tell what he knows, it was worth some money. I guess Kevin Costner and some other people got involved in that and were going to uh, help bring the story forward. And Costner apparently shows up in Miami and screws the whole thing up, uh, at least at first. Can you tell us about that? Costner got involved because uh, uh, one, of his, one of Costner's good friends is a Canadian journalist. Uh, he uh, also um, uh, anchors a TV entertainment show like Entertainment Tonight that would be the equivalent in the U.S. His name is David Giammarco. David G. Marco had written a coffee table picture book about the James Bond story, the films and the, the backstories to the movies and that kind of thing. And out of respect to my father, uh, he uh, wrote a letter to my father saying, would you please write the preface to, to my book, my, my James Bond book. And my father was very sick at the time, so G. Marco did a very nice gesture, and he, he wrote most of it and put my dad's name on it. And my dad uh, thought that was a very dear thing to do. A little bit later, my dad is um, is meeting Oliver Stone uh, on the set of the Nixon movie that they, they flew my father uh, up to D.C. and uh, other places to act as a technical advisor to make sure things were in accordance with the truth and that sort of thing. And at a dinner table uh, with uh, Oliver Stone and uh, my friend Eric Hamburg, my brother David was there, and, um, of course, uh, Hopkins was there, and so was the entire cast, uh, and all that stuff, and uh, Oliver and my father are talking, and, uh, and then Oliver goes, so, Howard, how much would it take you to really tell the truth about the JFK assassination? And my father, without skipping a beat, he, he looks up at him and he says, three to five million, and uh, Oliver smiled back at him, and he goes, I think that's reasonable. <laughs> and, uh, and so that planted the idea in my father's eye, and when I heard that story, I thought, you know, this is something that my father could do not only to, to tell the truth for historical reasons and to give the American public the truth about what happened as he knew it, but also to leave a legacy, not of lies and, and, uh, and failures for his family, but, but to leave, leave a legacy of, of, uh, of something truthful and honest uh, and financially um, you know, positive for, 
his family's children, his second wife, after he passed away. And um, I started needling my father about this. I said, what about all these these authors that, that dragged the hunt name around, saying that you were one of the tramps, proving this, saying you were a, a shooter at, you know, in Dallas, that you did this, that you did that. And uh, aren't you sick of it? Aren't you just mad as hell? You know, I was like, I'm mad as hell. And, uh, and I got him worked up about it. You know, he was excited about it. And uh, so we started working on this project we called, I called David Giamarco, who I got his number from my father. And, um, and he told uh, uh, Costner, but there was a little, uh, a little game playing here. Um, uh, Giamarco had told Costner that the Howard Hunt was ready to spill the beans on JFK. And Giamarco told my father that Costner was coming down to discuss doing a movie about his life. Oh, so when Costner arrived, he chartered a private plane comes down, gets a limo from the airport to my father's house. My father's expecting him. He's in his wheelchair. His wife, Laura, is there. And, you know, Costner's at the door, comes in, and within five minutes he blurts out, so who killed JFK, uh, Mr. Hunt? And Laura, my father's wife, just, she about fainted, and my father's jaw just about dropped to the ground. He had no idea that this was what Costner came down for. And after some unpleasantries between the two of them, and Laura, uh, he left, and he was very bitter about that. And when I talked to Mr. Costner, he, he reminded me of that, you know. And uh, he goes, "I'm Kevin Costner," and uh, you know that was uh, that was complete bullshit, you know. And I said, "Well, I don't think my dad was the one who was putting things in your head that weren't that wasn't true. I know that he would not have known that you had come down there specifically to have him talk to you about the assassination." But I patched things up to the point where Costner and Gio Marco and myself. Signed a contract with my father to um, to start getting the information out, and uh, it was it was um, it was dependent on a million dollar deposit uh, in my father's bank or a bank of my father's choice. That money never came, but the offer Costner came back with was, uh, "Look, uh, go with your dad. Let's fly to L.A. Let's start the filming, and the money will come from proceeds of the film and proceeds of the DVD sales and documentaries and that sort of thing." And I said to Costner, I said, you want me to take this offer to my dad? You're going to pay him $100 a day per diem, and, and you want him to fly out to Miami? He, the flight alone could kill him. <laughs> I said, what, you know, what's wrong with you? you know? He goes, well, we just don't know that anything he has to say is credible. And I said, look, I've had the information my, my father's been telling me, um, and as far as I can tell, it's credible. And here's one reason why. Because if my father was going to make anything up about who killed Kennedy, he would... Uh, start by blaming the Russians. Then he would blame the Cubans as being in cahoots with the Russians. Right. He would blame anybody but the CIA. He would not lie and, and tell that it was a off-the-shelf CIA operation. That is the truth, and that can be, I'm sure now, verified on many levels. So that whole thing just fell apart. I want to back up a little bit. You mentioned uh, um, your dad's second wife, Laura. I guess she was by his side when he went through... Um a court case, a libel suit. He was when he got more implicated in the JFK case as time went on. One publication alleged he was involved. He sued for libel, and and during that case, um, well, you 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 have something um, to contribute to this whole matter because the case sort of hinged on at, at the point of of at one point. Why did you sue, Mr. Hunt? And he said, Well, you know, I, this is the scurrilous thing. I'm being accused of these terrible things, um, uh, and and I my family has to see this, and I, and I wonder, like, what are they thinking? And, and he was asked on the witness stand, well, where were you on that weekend? And he said, well, I watched the national tragedy from, from my home. 
it turns out that when, when the, the subsequent question was, well, why were you so worried about your family's reaction if you were home with them? And indeed, you right, were, Why would they think? Right. Why would they think you're involved? Yeah. You were at the house on the weekend of the assassination, as you've noted in the book. In fact, you do not recall your dad being there. That's absolutely correct. And when I realized, uh, because I, I hadn't really heard about this lawsuit for a while, but it was, uh, uh, he won the first uh, part of the, of the lawsuit, but then on appeal, they got Mark Lane as their attorney. And this was uh, over a, uh, an article that appeared in, a, in a, I think, a New England uh, newspaper. Um, and uh, it, uh, it, it purported that the CIA released a memo uh, that uh, said, uh, one day we're going to have to explain where uh, Howard Hunt was uh, on November 22nd. And, uh, and the agent that had uh, leaked that memo, um, uh, you know, confirmed that, as far as he knew, uh, Howard was not at work. And, of course, uh, my dad's alibis for that day uh, changed uh, uh, two or three times. At first, uh, he was at work. Uh, oh, but then he left early. Uh, and, yes, he could verify that because um, two of his CIA friends uh, had seen him leave. And so those people were deposed, and in fact, uh, they could not testify that they actually saw him that day, but somewhere in that day or two's vicinity. They right. may have seen him. They thought they saw someone like him. <laughs> then he said, well, he left early, and he went to a Chinese grocery shop to do the uh, cooking for the evening and to cook Chinese food. Well, that was silly, because my dad did not cook Chinese food. <laughs> he did not do grocery shopping. <laughs> that was left for our, you know, our, 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 our maids and my mother, who was, the, who was the chef of the family. And then, uh, and then, then of course, uh, my children knew that I was at home, uh, and I knew that he wasn't, and that just made it so. Like, so where in the hell was this guy? You know. And there's a picture of a guy in in in, uh, in Dallas at Dealey Plaza. It looks remarkably like my dad, in a trench coat and a hat, just like him. Same kind of trench coat, same kind of hat he had. We're speaking with Saint John Hunt, son of the author and notorious spy E. Howard Hunt. Where do you stand on this at the present time? I, I remember when I first saw those photos, I was like, wow, that sure does look like Howard Hunt. Uh, somebody's, the tramps? Yeah. yeah some, someone's come forward to say, no, it was me, but that story seems to have a lot of holes in it, too. So um, it, what do you think? It does, because there's three tramps, and there's five or six people saying that they were the three tramps. Exactly, exactly, among other things. So do, 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 you, do you believe yeah. that might have been your dad in, in when it's all said and done? No, I don't believe uh, that he was... Uh, he was the older tramp, okay. the uh, shorter hobo-looking tramp, okay. because um, my father was, um, although he was a man uh, that uh, always enjoyed being in the trenches and in the middle of action, he would not have been made up and dressed up as a, uh, a pseudo-hobo uh, standing around with um, by the boxcars back there. No, he was, he was in a more central location, dressed like uh, a man of dignity uh, and, and a man uh, that was a high-level CIA operative with a trench coat and a hat right? and uh, acting as a bench warmer, an overseer of the operation. Well, St. John, when you first came forward with this information, it caused quite a splash in the national media. And, and at having followed all of this for many years myself, the name that struck me as kind of odd among your dad's revelation was that of Cord Meyer. He was a CIA fellow, and he has an interesting story to tell. But um, as your father related it to you, the prime mover in the case is LBJ, and the person he went to was Cord Myers. Some people have problems with that, but, but tell us a little bit about, about Cord Meyer. Cord Meyer was, um, uh, was a CIA operative, like you said. He was, he was a, a high-level a high uh, operative, and he was a station chief in London. 
Uh, he had lost an eye d- during the war and had been uh, involved in intelligence since the OSS. My dad um, mentioned Cord because, from his understanding, Cord's sole action in the assassination was to deal with Harvey, and possibly through David Atlee Phillips, because Cord and Harvey knew each other. They were both, uh, you know, same high-level CIA operatives. And, um, and also, my dad mentioned that uh, Cord had rather a personal grind against uh, JFK from the fact that Mary Meyer, Cord's wife, was a, a, she'd been a, a Philadelphia socialite, married Cord Meyer when um, she was much younger, and they grew separate and they grew apart, and she had an affair with JFK, one that lasted uh, for quite a while. She was a regular person that shared his bed, and not only that, they smoked marijuana together, and they dropped LSD uh, in a plan that uh, Mary Meyer had uh, concocted with Timothy Leary, that if enough um, of the beautiful women that these high-level politicians were sleeping with could could convince them to try LSD, it would change the world. It would open up the world, and it would, everything would be a better place. And in fact, she went through with that. Uh, uh, Kennedy did try the LSD, and he did like it, and he smoked marijuana regularly with her. She kept a diary. After he was uh, murdered, she was murdered. Yes. That's the only information I got so far about Cord Meyer. Because I don't really know anything about him, but uh, I, I do know that he would have known uh, who to go through, and uh, Johnson um, would have known to, to tap Cord Meyer because of the, the mistress thing. He knew that Cord never forgave JFK, even though they were technically divorced. He still was in love with uh, Mary Meyer. Yeah, we should establish that William Harvey and David Phillips are certainly uh, as high as you can go on the suspect lists uh, of, of the case of what happened to to JFK. And I, I do want to also, just as an addendum, that in the, in the wake of Mary Meyer being shot while apparently by a footpath in Washington, uh, no less than James Angleton, the counterintelligence head of the CIA, was discovered in her house looking for her diary after, her, after she'd passed away, which itself is, was eyebrow-raising. Yes, it was, he went into the crime scene and uh, you know, broke into her uh, house. And my father always was a little bitter about Angleton. He, he never really cared for Angleton too much. Uh, he knew he was a brilliant man, but uh, prone to uh, obsessive uh, paranoia. And, of course, uh, the fact that he broke into Mary Meyer's apartment and the diary disappeared, he became uh, a little bitter about because he broke into the Watergate and he got four years in prison. Angleton was discovered in the house by no less than Bed Bradley, I'd like to add. Bradley was married to Mary Meyer's sister, so he went to go to the house and discovers Angleton already inside there looking for the diary. They're all such a little family, you know, they're all just watching each other's backs, and, you know, Angleton never had to explain himself about that, or pretty much about anything else. Um, he really skated by, as Dick Helms did also. Right. Dick, Dick Helms was never never uh, mentioned in the Kennedy assassination or, or, or anything else, but Helms was a mover uh, on a massive level, and he knew all the secrets. And your dad was rather bitter later in life when he got in trouble that Helms more or less disavowed knowing, knowing your dad. Yeah, he said, yeah, I've met Howard a few times. Uh, we may have had lunch together at the club once or twice, but that was far from the truth. Uh, uh, my father idolized Helms. Helms took uh, a personal interest in my father's career. And uh, not only that, but uh, put him in charge of the domestic operation uh, to, control, to start controlling media in 1965 when he defected, supposedly defected the first time. And uh, he also went to Spain at that time to continue assassination attempts against Castro. Um, but, uh, yeah, Helms, uh, he was a slippery, slipperier than my dad. Yeah. 
Something I'm really intrigued by also, I learned from your book, which I did not know, was the David Atlee Phillips, again, one of the most prime suspects in the case. Phillips was the CIA's chief of station in Mexico City, I think a job that had been your dad's previously, when Oswald allegedly visited there. We know for a fact now that Oswald was impersonated at several points in that whole affair. Uh, Phillips's actions are very suspect. Um, your dad named him as, as a conspirator, and he should know what he's talking about because, as I learned from your book, your dad actually originally recruited David Phillips for the CIA and then later worked closely with him. Yes, he did. He recruited Phillips uh, from um, uh, one of the Latin American countries. He was a journalist or something in... Um, Chile, I think. Chile, yeah, okay. And uh, they met, and uh, he, he recruited David Phillips, and they were lifelong friends. Uh, Phillips rose to a high-ranking position ahead of Western Hemisphere for the CIA. Phillips also ran uh, many of the secret Bay of Pigs-related projects for assassination. He was up to his neck in all that Cuba stuff. He knew what the Operation 40 people. He and my dad were, were just good friends and equals. My dad uh, knew that Phillips was involved with Lee Harvey Oswald uh, as his handler, and that's been testified to by uh, Antonio Vesiana, um, the head of Alpha 66, who, which is one of the most violent anti-Castro um, organizations uh, at the time and certainly probably still today. Uh, Basiano was at the meetings that my father attended, the, the two meetings at Safe Houses in Miami, and was uh, in some way a part of the plot. He uh, says he uh, witnessed Phillips in a conversation with Lee Harvey Oswald uh, in Mexico City. Yes. And I have no reason to, to doubt that. Well, you know, Vesiano is the only member of, of, of the people that your father mentioned who is still with us. He's still alive. At a, at, a, at a conference in Bethesda, I sat a table away from him uh, last year, and I just wish, St. John, I'd, I'd realized that he could testify, he could verify what your father said about being in that meeting. I'm kicking myself for not knowing enough to have been able to ask him that question, because that's, that's quite interesting. Yes, there were several attempts uh, to kill him uh, uh, later on, and uh, he was paid off by Phillips uh, with a suitcase uh, stuffed with cash. I don't know how much it was, maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars. Um, for his years of service to uh, to the CIA as a contract agent. Um, but uh, he was um, not part of uh, Operation 40, but, um, but he, certainly, uh, he certainly was uh, vicious and, uh, and violent and uh, wanted nothing more than for Castro to die. Uh, David Morales, um, another person my father named, he was a very serious character. He was a station chief in Miami during the Bay of Pigs, and was known as uh, one of the uh, one of the guys you could go to. Matter of fact, the top guy that he would take care of any kind of assassination, uh, removal, uh, torture, interrogation uh, on anybody the CIA wanted. He was just a gung ho guy. And uh, Morales was at the meeting as well. And of course, years later, Morales uh, confessed to his best friend in New Mexico that well, we got Kennedy, you know. Uh, and, and things like that. Yeah. Um, Morales uh, died uh, mysteriously after getting cancer in a six-week period. And, of course, we all know that, uh, that the cancer was being developed as a assassination weapon uh, by the CIA for many years uh, down in New Orleans and elsewhere. Yeah. His friend Ruben Car uh, Carbajal uh, witnessed the David talking about the assassination of, of, of JFK. And, uh, you know, if you, if you look at this list of people that, are, that were involved... In Operation 40, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, Harvey, of course, was a part of the false defector program. Uh, Rafael Chichi Quintero was one of the assassins. Lu Luis Posada was. Orlando Barsh 
Roland Masferrer, Eugenio Martinez, who was a Watergate burglar, Felix Rodriguez, he's another guy. He killed Che Guevara for the CIA. Yes, he was he another did. guy that, that goes through history. Bernard Barker and Frank Sturgis were also Op 40 guys. Frank Sturgis said Op 40 would, upon orders, assassinate either members of the military or political parties of foreign country that you were going to infiltrate or invade, and if necessary, some of your own members who were suspected of, I don't know, betraying the Operation 40. You know, these were very serious guys here. Raphael Quintero uh, stated in an interview in 2006 that uh, if I was to tell what I know about Dallas and the Bay of Pigs, it would be the greatest scandal that ever rocked the nation. So this list of guys goes through, they, they go on to continue from through Watergate into the Bush administration and get involved in the Panama invasion, the money for drugs uh, for Iran, uh, and then the larger uh, cocaine importation into Mena, Arkansas, for the CIA to get money to fund these uh, these black ops. And, of course, they also were involved in uh, Vietnam in this horrendous program to round up small village leaders and just kill them, women and children, to force them to, uh, to not give aid to the North Vietnamese. And they killed 40,000 people in that operation. Yeah, no, it's famous. Operation Phoenix, terrible, terrible story. Operation Phoenix, that, that's what it was, yeah. At this point, we need to take another break. When we come back, we will finish our discussion with St. John Hunt. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax. 